everyone, and welcome. This is episode 240 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Network. Uh, here this week with Ryan and stepping in for the vacationing Paul, Steve Garshinsky. So, Steve, thanks for dropping in again and, and pinch hitting for, for Paul. I feel like you do this like once a month now. Yeah, I don't take vacations, so I guess I'm always available. Paul, <laughs> yeah. Paul lives a life of luxury that I, I don't have. So, yeah, I'm always here for you guys. Did you see where he was on Twitter? No, no where'd he go? He was he was posting pictures of the uh, the goats, the goats on the roof up in uh, oh, Door right. County. Oh, he's up he was, in Door County. Yeah, so at Al Johnson's in Door County. So nice. that's a nice. a classic Wisconsin vacation. Even though he's now you know gone over to the dark side, down south yeah. of the border. Yeah, he'll he'll be vacationing in Lake Geneva before we know it. So <laughs> that's a chilly one. That's a chilly one to be up there right now, though. Uh, yeah, it's not particularly warm. I was kind of chilly at the uh, game today. I had a long sleeve shirt on and was still kind of a little chilled. Sitting in our seats. Surprised they had the roof open then. (laughs) You and uh, a lot of people noted that Amy was like, they have the roof open? And then the uh, the woman behind us, I hear go, they have the roof open? (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking June. Yeah. There's been a chance of rain like every day. It hasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. like opened up and rained, but man, it just, it's hanging there. It it really feels like it. And that's what the brewer's season right now feels like, doesn't it? Oh, nice segue. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, just, just hanging on there. Uh, 20% chance of catastrophe at any given turn, right? So, yeah, it, it's been a, a tough weekend. We'll just put it that way. Uh, Brewers kind of limping to the end of that long stretch of games we've been talking about, but we'll get to that in a moment here. In the meantime, a uh, reminder first, if you'd like to help support us, you can become a patron. That's at patreon.com slash tailgate. And for as little as two bucks a month, that gets you question priority here on all of the podcasts on the network. Five bucks a month, though, gets you that question priority plus some extra extra subscriber exclusive podcasts uh that includes the minor league extra with ryan and james anderson from road wire and ryan you say you will be recording a new episode this week what can we expect well i'm pretty much expecting all jackson churio all the time talk for this one <laughs> right so if you want to just start crafting your questions for that now patreon subscribers go ahead and, and think of those i will uh, post for questions early in the week i think we're going to record on thursday afternoon so you'll have some time to get those into us. But yeah, let's see how many different angles we can come at Jackson Churio from, because uh, the man is uh, sort of the talk of the minor leagues right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hi-ho Churio. Is that the name of the, the podcast? Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. I'm just spitballing here. Yeah, we'll have to workshop that. Maybe uh, <laughs> run it by some people. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, it's yeah. Uh, now I must sugar my own Churio. <laughs> Honey Nut Cheerios. Yeah, there we go. there's a fantasy team name in the future for somebody. There yeah, you go. we should just change our team name to it right now, Steve. <laughs> we'll pick him up, stash him on the roster for four years from now, and we'll just change the team name in advance. Because we're we're right now running out the uh, Acuna Matata as a uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So that you know when when you've got Acuna, you like you almost have to do it. So so he's not going anywhere for a while. So we're, we're set. We don't no, have to do anything. he's not going anywhere. But uh, yeah, it. Did you see, speaking of Churio and Acuna, have, did you see that he was part of the list of players who were 18 years or younger at full season A-ball and who had put up like uh, numbers comparable to Churio uh, OPS plus wise or WRC plus wise? Sorry. And the list was I did like. I not see that. Oh, yeah. The list is uh, Vladdy. <laughs> so Vladito, uh, Tatis, Acuna Jr., Wander Franco, and somebody else awesome who I'm 
uh, spacing on right now. <laughs> so it was like, oh yeah, he's uh, in great, amazing company right there. Yeah, that not too shabby. Not not a whole lot better that you can do at, at that age, at that level. Oh, so. he's really doing everything you can at this age, and, and kind of doing the things we all wished Hedbert had been doing. Right. So uh, he is yeah. the guy that we hoped Hedbert was going to become. <laughs> Hedbert's actually climbed a little bit off the rack from where he was. Like he's he's doing better than he was, but he was so bad early that he's going to be digging out of that one for the rest of the year. For sure, for sure. Uh, definitely looking forward to listening to that. A reminder then, five bucks a month at our Patreon page will get you access to that Minor League Extra podcast and all the ones that you've done before and all the ones in the future too. So definitely worth uh, the money there. I guess turning our attention to the big league team, less exciting to talk about. And I think we can all agree, thank God, there's finally an off day on Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, because the, the Brewers wrapped up their stretch of 18 games in 17 days on Sunday. They definitely looked like a team that was kind of over everything and just looked exhausted. We all know they're banged up with the injuries mounting up. They did manage to, to split that 18-game stretch, though going nine and nine so i guess uh, about as good as you could hope for in that scenario and considering their their injury woes as well but then again getting to that finish line was, was kind of painful they went two full games without scoring any runs at all over the weekend almost got no hit by joe musgrove and generally looked bad outside of maybe two innings overall over the four game series so i guess do we chalk this up? Steve, we'll start with you. Do, do we chalk this up to just kind of hitting that wall and missing all those key pieces? Or are you kind of legitimately worried about them going forward? No, I mean, when you consider all the guys that they were missing in this run, the, the fact that they were a f basically a 500 team, uh, I mean, it really says, I think, how that was about a best case scenario. The only, the only thing better would have been taking this final game against San Diego. If they would have won that in extra innings, I think that would have really would have changed the, um, everybody's perspective on how this all went. But I mean, Willie Adamas is a big part of this team and to not have him for most of that run, you know, you, you have both Peralta and Woodruff go down. I mean, look at the, the guys that they were just calling up to start at random times and they were getting good starts. Yeah. That Jason Alexander start was really impressive. Yeah, I was so not I, expecting that. Yeah, I was expecting like four and done, right? <laughs> pro or like closer to the Ethan Small start. Yeah, where you're kind of like, okay, he, he, you know, gave you a couple good innings, and then you saw where it can get shaky pretty quick. Um, so I, you know, overall, like you'd have to say it's success considering um, what they went through. And like I said, one game I think really would make a difference. Like there'd be a lot more positive outlook if they would have taken this final game against San Diego. When they did lose some close ones, they had a couple of walk-offs right against the Cubs. Or I guess one of them wasn't a walk-off. It was in the eighth that they they gave up the lead, and then it got closed mm -hmm. out after that. But so two late losses against the Cubs, and then they did have the late comeback where they won surprisingly on Thursday. Think of we would yeah. really be hurting right now if they hadn't <laughs> uh, come back and won that game on Thursday because that was sort of yep. out of nowhere. Uh, so that that does make things a little bit better, but they, they lost more close than they won in this run. So I think they kind of are, I guess, coming out behind on that. Overall, yeah, the, just looking at who they were missing offensively here, it, it is not surprising that your offense would struggle. And they're facing some really good pitchers against San Diego this weekend. Not so much Clevenger today, but... Uh, Mackenzie Gore has been one of the best young pitchers in baseball this year. I mean, he has been 
just kind of a real revelation. He was a, a real mm-hmm. prospect odyssey for the Padres because he was a top pick and was one of the top 10 prospects in baseball. I think some people had him in their top fives. And then the the pandemic year happened and then 2021 happened and it looked like he lost like all of his ability. He just completely went to crap and he lost uh, his mechanics. He lost his release point and was just really bad. And then this year sort of unexpected out of nowhere showed up at camp, looked really good. And it was like, oh, OK, he found it and remembered how to pitch again. Mm-hmm. So he's been really good. And obviously, Joe Musgrove has been one of the best pitchers in baseball for a couple of years now. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think that when you, you're facing those kind of pitchers and you have such a depleted lineup where you're missing so many key guys from it, then, yeah, you just you kind of hope to just limp through and get completely shut down by the Padres. It shouldn't have been a surprise, and it wasn't really a surprise. And it's just unfortunate that they couldn't manage to scrape back a, a win you know, in today's game. But that'll happen. Overall, you take a look at the entire thing, a nine and nine run through this is, I think, an indication that they're a really good team. Because when, if you can do that with all the the hits that they've taken, with all of the, the struggles that they've had, I think it tells you that this is a well above average team that just needs to get its guys back. And it is looking like that's all coming, right? We we think William right. Adamas is going to be returning on Tuesday, and Urias probably isn't going to be out long-term because they haven't put him on the IL. So chances are good. He's going to be back here pretty quick. Renfro is starting to ramp up, but they're being cautious because it's a hammy issue. So they don't want him to get hurt again. And I, I believe we're looking at Brandon Woodruff coming back relatively soon. Right. I don't think we're, we're looking at him being out long-term. So I believe, yeah, he's, he's still planning on just missing the minimum. Right. So maybe a couple starts of that and, in. and, hopefully back to normal. So that's looking good at least. Yeah. And then you have Mike Brousseau, who's on the the IL at the moment. And you also have Omar Narvaez, who hopefully is not dealing with serious COVID complications. If you guys heard, I haven't been paying attention to the uh, broadcasts much the last few days. I've been watching and listening to music. So <laughs> I'm not sure. No, that isn't, that isn't one that I've seen a lot of updates for. So hopefully he's just, you know, okay. waiting out 10 days or whatever it is. Um, well, no, it's, did they he, say, just, he just has to test negative twice, is what Sophia said. I did catch that did, much. I didn't hear what his vaccination status was. So, Oh, no, I believe it's, he just had to test negative twice, is what sure. she said. Two consecutive times, I think, within 24 hours. Which I would assume means he's not vaccinated. Yeah, I'm know. not sure. I, I, I don't remember what the COVID rules are this year. So. I just hope he's not uh, like, yeah, physically yeah. sick and like really feeling yeah. like serious effects because that for a catcher especially seems like it would be awful. Like yeah. the, the physical... at this point, you're just hoping for no lingering right. physical problems, right? Or or things once he's even eligible to come back. You know, that's that's the main hope because again, he he's one of the more significant contributors in the lineup that you're hoping to get stuff out of. Um, one thing I did want to bring up, too, is, you know, obviously with with these injuries, some less than optimal guys in the lineup, whether it's Pablo friggin Reyes or, or whoever else. But I did want to mention, too, in the last week that Lorenzo Cain was very candid with Adam McKelvey at MLB.com and actually said that he was already told that his playing time was going to be cut 
before Hunter Renfro got hurt. And obviously Renfro's injury means they're, they're short on outfielders. So Canes had to play. I know that's kind of been a thing that a lot of fans have been looking at. I know we've talked about it too, the possibility of maybe Tyrone Taylor playing more in Lorenzo Kane's spot, but obviously the Renfro injury kind of complicates things too, right, Ryan? Yes, it does quite a bit. I want to go back for a second real quick. I'm almost positive that Omar Narvaez is, is vaccinated. I'm almost positive. I'm, I'm trying to double check it, but I am not seeing anything, but I'm almost positive that it was the case that he's vaccinated. So anyway, um, your question about Renfro was what again? So with with, you know, we learned in the last week that Kane had already been told his playing time was going to get cut, kind of maybe what a lot of us were maybe thinking was going to happen anyway. But kind of surprising to me, at least, that it was this early in the season that he was already told, yeah, you're not cutting it and we're going to cut your playing time. Yeah, he's been that bad, though. I mean, when you're as bad as he has been with the bat and when the team is in the position that it's in where they're really trying to. Uh, hit on all cylinders and trying to contend, there's going to be less grace for struggling the way he's struggled. And I think he gets that. I, I don't think he's shocked by it. He said that he's just kind of all over the place. He's He said he can't get his swing figured out right now, that it's just kind of all over the place. And I don't know if that's just a matter of age kind of causing him to you know like what had worked for him is no longer working so now he's just kind of flailing around trying to figure something out that is going to work in its place maybe that's it but this isn't something that surprises you when a guy gets to Lorenzo Keynes's age that he is going to struggle and not be good anymore that that's not shocking but it does present a lot of problems for them and we've talked about this for weeks now that they're going to probably need to try to find an upgrade, but it's really hard. The the pickings on the market for center fielders, uh, the the impending free agent market is garbage. There's hardly anything out there. And if you dig even deeper than that into guys who maybe have a few years left, I, it doesn't get that much better. There's, there's a few names we've talked about, but like it, there's really not that much out there. So, it really does come to focus on like Tyrone Taylor. Are you happy with Tyrone Taylor as a center fielder? And we've, I think kind of all established, I don't know what Steve's opinion on this is, but I think all of us are like, well, he's a good fourth outfielder. He's a guy you're, you're happy as, with as a fourth outfielder who's maybe getting three to 400 plate appearances. I don't know that I want him out there getting 600 plate appearances plus and playing center field every day, because that's probably asking more than what he is really capable of. Yeah, center field looks like an effort for Tyrone Taylor. Like, it's fine that he's out there and he can play it in a pinch, but as your full-time center fielder, no, they they need a solution for that. Um, when you have a team built on pitching and winning a lot of close games, um, you can't have a liability in center field like that. You know, it, it's going to come back to haunt you at some point. So, you know, hopefully they can find some way to upgrade that defensively without taking too much of a a, a hit at the plate uh, with whoever they're able to get. Well, it's probably the other way around, right? It's probably they, they really want to upgrade it offensively without taking too much of a hit defensively. Cause defense- oh, well, I, I guess I see it, it, Taylor's, you know, he's hitting all right. Um, I, I see it more as like, they need the defense out there. Okay. That's fair compared to Taylor. Yeah. Like I said, compared to Taylor, like you, you need a defensive upgrade. Um, I mean, again, you can you can pick at the roster and find 
places that they need to upgrade offensively, defensively. I mean, Colton Wong's been terrible in the field lately, which is a surprise. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, we're talking about infield defense. Right. You know, and and we kind of saw it with Reyes without Adamas playing. You know, even if they were leaning on Urias, um, you know, I think shortstop would still be uh, saying that was an issue right now, um, which, you know, like I said, they, they have some depth, but it's clearly all being tested right now. Yeah, I mean, their depth is really being pushed as we speak. They're basically down to their, what, third string shortstop, their third string third baseman, mm-hmm. I guess second string third baseman. Um, yeah, you're basically you're in right field with uh, with Renfro being out. I guess Taylor's playing a lot over there, but he's also playing yeah. center field. So it's yeah, it's just kind of a mess. Yeah. That they've filled the gaps about as good as they can, I think, is kind of a nice way to sum up all of this. But uh, it's still definitely tough to watch, and, and we're definitely looking forward to kind of seeing a lot of these guys get back to. And really, again, complaining about how crappy it was that MLB put them in this situation to begin with. And a reminder, this is just one of two 18 and 17 stretches the Brewers have this year. So that's fun. And as we record this, the the Cardinals trying to get even closer to the Brewers in the NL Central standings. But I guess the good news is, too, they've weathered the storm in first place as well. So it's not like they have to make up too much ground here. Uh, we do have a lot of Patreon questions to get to this week, a lot of good ones. So uh, let's start with Andrew Merker, who is asking, uh, I guess, speaking of the lineup, would now be the time to trade Keston Hira? And is there anyone who can meaningfully contribute, whether that's a decent relief pitcher or end of rotation starter that could be expected in return? What team is most likely to ignore that K rate? So I don't know. What what would a potential fit for Keston Hira look like, Ryan? I have no idea at this point because you are going to have to have somebody that just does not care about that K rate. And I don't know who that is. I, I, it's kind of a, a weird thing because I don't think that the old school, new school thing, we've largely moved past that. But let's pretend for a moment that that was still even more enforced than it probably is. Well, new school teams don't like that K rate for advanced reasons and old school teams don't like that for old school reasons. So nobody really likes hitters that strike out a lot. So nobody's going to going to just look past that. So I think that part of it is a problem and his defensive versatility is <laughs> or lack thereof. Well, I mean, like he, he took a glove and played left field the other day and I think he was kind of okay at it, but you don't, think that's probably where you want him for any sort of long-term period and he's not a first baseman but he he goes and well yeah but i mean that's a problem you're saying like he took a glove out there that's literally every position he plays is keston here took a glove out there <laughs> like he does not actually play any of those positions even when he was playing second base and that was technically his position um you know it was an adventure so he really he has no position aside from dh mm-hmm and he doesn't have the bat to carry DH. Yeah, and he has been better than I would have expected in terms of his production this year. Like looking at what the overall line has been has been much better than I think anybody really had a a, a good reason to hope for. But the underlying problems of it are so obvious and I, we just all see it. The fact that he struck out four times uh on Saturday and that was against a left-handed starter. Yeah. 
I mean, he's trash against lefties, and that is supposed to be a saving grace, right? He's got the reverse platoon splits, the same issue Taylor has, frankly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's hard to find a spot for him, I think, is the issue, right? Yeah, the whole thing is really just, it's a tough situation overall for trying to figure out what to do with him because you you don't want to cut bait on him. You don't want to say that this is just over because you worry that somebody else is going to tap into that ability that he has. Um, But He's definitely going to the Rays and becoming an all-star, right? Right, like that's what you fear. (laughs) Like you worry about him going to the Dodgers. Like, and the Brewers wouldn't trade him to the Dodgers, but he, you know, one move down the road and he'd end up there and then you pick him up on a a nothing contract and he ends up, you know, potentially being good for them. It's just, that would be frustrating. Yeah, but the other issue is, like, if the Brewers are looking at him and they decide they don't have a fix for him, they can't figure it out, they don't know what to do. Um, I don't think you can have that that fear of like you're you're, you're going to miss out on a great player um, if you let him go because some other team picks him up. I, that's just you know you got to do what's right for the club. And if they don't have a fix, then I guess it's you know somebody else gets the benefit of taking him and you know building him back up into the player he could be. But I mean, right now with his K rate. I don't know what any team could do. Maybe it's somebody. Creeping, may- yeah, it's creeping closer and closer to 50%, which is just a mind boggling number yeah. for anybody who's still getting a couple starts a week. Right. Like, And, and again, when he's not going to cover a position of any kind of value, like the bar is so high for how well he has to hit. Like you can't fix him to just be, you know, a fine hitter with, you know, a, a high strikeout rate. Uh, but not like so abnormally high that he's unplayable. But I, you know, I just I don't see it. It's it's unfortunate, but that flaw is just so massive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we actually got kind of a second question from Nick H, who's basically the same thing, but uh, again, asking if there's a trade partner for Hira, and if so, what kind of return could be hoped for? So I guess, Ryan, any hope that it's something useful, or are you just kind of hoping for lottery tickets if it's a trade? Yeah, that's what's tough, is I would imagine that there would be teams that maybe would ask about him when the Brewers approach them about their you know relievers or whatever, and then it becomes a question of, well, do you really want to give up Keston Hira for a a rental middle reliever <laughs> like is that this year's John Curtis right yeah right exactly. do you really want to do that is that something that gets you excited because I think that's sort of what teams would ask for in that situation right they would but if, if that's what he's worth maybe if that's literally what he's worth like I mean how are you going to argue against that like the Brewers would know they wouldn't go the other way with that trade well, worth I, is all a matter of what you know teams are willing to to pay and what they're you know, willing to give up. Like yeah. it's it's settled by the market on that, and I don't know. It just it, I it, it still seems like that would be asking for trouble long term. Like, don't they have somebody else that they could move for? A, I mean, it's really if he wasn't if he wasn't a a you know what was a top five first round pick. 
he uh, wouldn't be. Well, yeah, he was a top ten. He was a top ten pick. Uh, yeah. That, yeah, that is part of it. But I think it's also that we saw what a successful casting hero looked like in 2019, and that was a really, really, really good hitter. It was, but look at how how few games that was compared to the rest of his career. Yeah, we're starting to to creep up to that point now where it, it really is dwarfing uh, what he did in 2019. Part of the problem was he missed so much time in 2021, um, just you know being up and down and off the roster. And 2020 was a, a shortened season, and so I don't know. I mean, he, the thing was he was still hitting for power in 20 uh, in 2020. It's just that ever all the other numbers around it collapsed, so he wasn't yeah. a good player anymore. I mean, still going into 2020, like BP had already called out his strikeout rate as being an issue and really kind of mm-hmm. capped what they thought his um, That's why Pakoda hated him so yeah, much. Right? Yeah, Pakoda was really down on him. That is true. Yeah. Uh, so there were flaws and they were sort of obvious and people were talking about the fact he was going to need to fix it. And w- I've mentioned before, you know, Keith Law talks about him not in glowing terms about the Brewers development system. He uh, I think he said he wanted to punch whoever uh, uh, screwed up casting here a swing <laughs> was the comment that he made. So uh, that doesn't bode well. You don't like to hear that at all. Uh, but. I don't know. It, it's it's still a difficult situation. You still feel like there's there's a chance that he's going to break out. But it, do you think that that is possible with the Brewers? Is he is he going to be able to do that with the Brewers, or is it going to have to be going someplace else and maybe being given free reign to like if he gets traded to I don't know uh, who would be a team like that is just bad and not going anywhere. Like- Oakland or something. Yeah, I don't if, he, know, if he got traded, like, to, if he got yeah. traded to Oakland right now, that's that's fine. Good example. If he got traded to Oakland right now, Oakland would say, "Okay, Keston, you're starting every day. We'll get you in the lineup every day. Maybe it bounces. He bounces from position to position, but they would just be like, yeah, 'You're you're going to start every day, and we're going to fix this, and we're going to get this going.' And maybe that would would be an opportunity that he's he's just not going to get here. So maybe that would help. But oh man, it's just it's so difficult to do that. I'd almost I'd almost rather see that at this point. Like I'd rather just cheer from them, cheer for them from afar, realizing yeah. that it's. Just I'd be not happy for him there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then it comes down to: is the player you're getting back for him good enough to justify giving up whatever potential he has left? Well, but you say that with the idea that Hero will somehow find it and turn out and turn into a you know good major league baseball player and the issue with that is that's really unlikely right now that's a really unlikely scenario that he turns into a good major league baseball player oh like how unlikely? Right now, wait a second how unlikely are we talking about it is there a five percent chance or is there like a 25 percent chance five percent oh that's way low yeah i would take the over on that all day oh no like i said he has no he has no position he has no yeah. position, so he has to hit, and he has to hit really well, and there's nothing that suggests that that's going to happen. Like, the idea that he becomes a good Major League Baseball player in the long term is so extremely slim right now. I guess, yeah, his position is going to have to be hitter, and there are DHs on every team now, and you can still hide guys in a number of you know corner positions and whatever, but, yeah, he, he is going to have to hit a lot because there, he's not going to offer any defensive value. That we we that I feel very capable or certain of saying like he's not going to offer defensive value. He's, he's still young and inex- 
he's still young and inexpensive. That's why he's getting an opportunity. Once any kind of money starts kicking in. Like, I was going to get... say that it's a race against the arb clock now at this point, right? He's got a little more than two years of, of big league service time. So, you know, we may be in the next year or so. I don't know. This is probably the, the thing that is going to drive him being moved this summer because he is arbitration eligible next year. So if it's a trade for a reliever or a non-tender, which do you choose? Yeah, he's going to he's going to be going into arbitration this year regardless. So, yeah, that probably actually does it it also probably lessens his value on the trade market because other teams are going to be able to do that math just as easily as the Brewers can. So, it probably also changes that calculation. So maybe it it, it is getting to be time to just do that. It sucks though. It it's a tough one because everything looked so promising and so bright for so long. And then he showed it in the big leagues for a not insignificant period of time. And so it's just, it's tough to let go of that. Yeah, definitely long enough for at least to kind of dream about that and, and Yelich heading into 2020. Right. And unfortunately neither has really worked out there. So it's worth pointing out here, James in 2019, he did, uh, he put up 348 plate appearances, and he hit 303, 368, 570. You know, like yeah. he was a really, really, really. It's like a half hitter. year. Yeah. It was, a, it was about a half year of being a, was. Yeah, a 138 OPS plus, like uh, almost 40% above average. Like that's a, that is all star level. That is, you know, back end of ba- MVP ballot good. And he's just been nothing like that since. And the book was released on him, and it hasn't been the same ever since, really. I guess, uh, you know, I mentioned Christian Yelich. This is a good chance for me to jump down on the list to uh, your good friend Jay Google's question. Mm -hmm. Is Christian Yelich broke again? So, obviously, you know, we've been kind of (laughs) talking about this for the last couple of weeks and and doing the launch angle tracker. And, Steve, I guess your opinion is Christian Yelich broken again. Or was I mean, he always the, broken? Yeah, the last time I came on, I said yes, and then he got on a hot streak, and I, I know that Ryan wanted to mock me for that, but I don't think there's <laughs> that much that's changed. I mean, yeah, there's there's still those moments where you know he can find some power and drive the ball, but man, it's just it's not there every day. Launch um, angle down to seven point one degrees. So <laughs> there you go. There's our weekly yeah. update. It, you know, again, it's another guy that, like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> it, it's just so mind-boggling um, that he went from, you know, a, a good hitter, not a ton of power, but he was just kind of an all-around bat at the plate to a superstar. And now he's, like, not even at that that level he was at in his early 20s. And th- there's just no explanation for it. I don't know what to say. It It just... I think happening to both him and Hira the way that they have, I, it's like I don't are the Brewers doing something to these guys? Because otherwise, it just seems so unlikely that you'd have you know two guys fall off like that at at the same time. Yeah, um, it's so weird but, because they they broke out with the Brewers though. They both had their great seasons. Yelich had his two great seasons with the Brewers. Hira had his great season, half season with the Brewers. So like if the Brewers are breaking them, well, are they, they making them and then breaking them after Like, what is, how does that even work? I, I can't, it's mind boggling. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but I mean, 
yeah, Yelich is broken. I don't know what else to say. He really is. <laughs> this is just a player we have. It's a player he's going to be for the rest of this contract. Um, and again, that's really disappointing to see as well. Because, I mean, he's he's not going to get healthier as he goes along. So I would imagine it's going to be this kind of production with uh, fewer plate appearances. Yeah, I know Ryan's Ryan's rolling his eyes. He hated everything I said there, but like there was a deep know. inhale there. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Sometimes you just have to accept like that it, crappy stuff like that happens. It does, but you, you accept it very quickly. <laughs> and I'm not this. This isn't like judging him from like April to now. Like we're approaching, you know, two full seasons of him being really a crappy hitter well it's different he's been it doesn't di- matter if it's different each time he's been crappy it's still crappy but he is still he, not a good hitter he isn't crappy that's the thing this is not he's not where keston hero was last year where he was lost it, he's not you know providing no value here right now coming into today i don't know like he had what a walk today so this probably went down but coming into today he had an ops plus of 92 so he's slightly under uh, the league average for overall hitting. Um, yeah, I mean, Keston here was in like the 50s last year. Baseball Prospectus has him uh, with a DRC plus of 83. Hmm. So even lower. So, yeah, they see him even lower. I mean, they see him as a negative 0.1 warp player right now. Oh, yeah. He has fallen out of the top 12 on Baseball References uh, Brewers team page. Oh, nope. He's actually, I take that back. He has a uh, 0.5 Baseball Reference War. So he's in 11th place on the team right now. I mean, at this point, I kind of wish they'd say, like, Christian Yelich has a chronic back problem, and he has not been able to move for two years or something like that. Like, just so we knew, like, oh, he he clearly has. And from all indications, this is not true that it, he is fine. Physically, he's fine is what everybody insists. So that's what they keep saying. It is what. Yeah. It, and I don't know that defense is not uh, helping his case either. I mean, that noodle arm basically cost them uh, the extra innings game against the Cubs on that sacrifice fly. Well, so, he would have been great. you left field is where you put your weakest armed outfielder generally. And he would have had your general left fielder would have had to have made a well above average throw to. to yeah, but even then, it was a real crap throw. Dude, it was that was, it was bad. Sure, it was bad. But like, I don't know. It, it, that's not the reason that we're we could deal with that aspect of Christian Yelich just fine if he was hitting and he's not hitting. So that's the that is the thing that needs to get solved and what they they need to to do. And there's there's signs that he is better this year than he was last year. I think last year is, is kind of a low point, but this is really rough if because they do need him as a guy to to kind of build around in the middle of this lineup. And you know, it, it kind of him and Adamas, and I guess Urias was maybe sort of checking into that group potentially, but we really hadn't gotten there yet. Um so it is it is just very difficult with Yelich because they they are locked into him for this contract for a long time and figuring out how to proceed with that being the case. You wonder if Mark Atanasio now his two boys that he has signed to long term deals and has made the face of the franchise sort of exception for uh, Ryan Braun and Christian Yelich. 
and <laughs> I think maybe uh, maybe yeah. Mark is uh, feeling somewhat Both burned. Both seemed by like this. good ideas at the time. They maybe he should try going. Maybe you should try going for a pitcher this next time if he's going to uh, shell out some money for a long-term contract. Pitchers never get hurt and inexplicably yeah. fall off what early. Possibly Steve, what go could possibly go wrong with giving a pitcher a huge Brandon money? Well, $175 million. Yeah. yeah, it hasn't worked out well for position players, so I don't know. Let's just try something different. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Kane's contract is off the books after this year, so yeah, there's save, that. Save that soccer money and put it into the uh, baseball team. Oh, yeah. Was that just this week? We could probably talk about that a little bit. That was this week. Yes. Yeah. Ryan, your thoughts on Mark Adonazio wanting to waste money on a soccer team. (laughs) Uh, So Norwich City is a classic up and down club. I think they've been uh, both promoted and relegated from uh, the Premier League like three times in the last like six, seven years since I've really started paying attention. Norwich City, it's like, okay, they're down and now they're up and now they're down and now they're up. So it's a weird investment, though I guess it sort of fits with the like the Milwaukee idea of he's investing in a club that he could potentially grow into something more and maybe be more of a, a, a standard uh, issue, like mid-table club in the Premier League instead of an up-and-down club. But I don't know. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a strange investment i i feel very strange about anybody who invests in clubs that aren't one of the top six in england those top six clubs are super valuable and have a lot of things going for them everybody else it's like an uphill climb so it it's soccer is if people think that baseball is unfair in terms of how it uh (laughs) you know allows for certain teams to dominate other teams financially um if Mark doesn't like that about baseball, well, he's got some news coming to him when he, he sees what Manchester City and uh, Manchester United run for payrolls. So when he's running up against you know Russian oligarchs and and oil blood money, yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh... yep. <laughs> so oh man, yeah, I guess who he's got to find the, the Craig Council of of European soccer. Is this like a Ted Lasso spinoff or I don't know. <laughs> Well, they do have a guy. I think Timo Puki is still on that team. So uh, they have they have Excuse a guy. Me, what's with his a, name? Huh? Timo Puki. He's a Timo he's a, Puki. Yeah, he's a striker. Um, he's sort of very flamboyant and kind of uh, a wild man. So uh, you're making all of this up. Uh, Timo, <laughs> you're making this, none of this is real. You're making all of it up. This is a lie, just like the Bundesliga. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's all a figment of, of uh, my imagination. Yes, yeah. Timu Puki, he's very flamboyant, and yeah, whatever. <laughs> sure, talking gibberish. So, all right, let's let's uh, get back to baseball. So, Jay, Jay, your good friend Steve has a second question here. Oh God, uh, it's about another struggling brewer. When is it time for the Brewers to focus on getting another Ivy School left-hander that throws in the mid-80s? Brent Suter is struggling, sort of. Uh, so, yeah, Brent Suter not having the best year. I think the the most noticeable thing is, obviously, walks are up and strikeouts are way down. And, yeah. you know, for, for a while, he was able to kind of deceive guys with, with that delivery and, and the slow stuff. But uh, K, K per nine down to 5.4 this year, and the ERA has risen accordingly. So... I guess is Brent Suter a problem now, Steve? Yeah, I know. Again, this is another thing because Ryan never wants to say anybody's like playing poorly. It's only luck um, is the only reason why they're 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 not doing well at any any particular time. Um, but you know, like you cited, strikeouts are down, walks are up. 
Um, and this is another guy where if you go to like baseball prospectus, uh, his DRA is higher than what his ERA is right now. It just dropped below six, but he, he was up above six before for his DRA. Um, so I, you know, I think, um, clearly he's having issues with this stuff. It's, it's not as, as effective as it had been in the past. Um, and that's bearing out in the results on the field. So I, I know Ryan wants to blame it on like, he's just going through a tough stretch and it's bad luck. I don't know. Maybe he finds something and he can get his stuff together and it can be more effective again. Um, but it's clearly not there. This isn't just a matter of a relief pitcher with limited um, number of appearances, you know, and one or two bad outings, basically like tanking his numbers, like Suter struggling and they need, they need that, rubber arm out of the bullpen so they 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 either need him to get back on track or they need to find another guy so the thing about the the strikeouts and walks is legit the walks are only up a very kind of small amount i think sort of even like within the margin of error here his uh walk rate last year was 7.7 percent and it's 9.3 percent this year so he's up about a one and a half percent from where he was last year the strikeouts are really down 22 percent last year 14 percent this year that is more concerning and that does i think if you want to hang your hat on something being a real problem here that would be where you would go is to point to the to the strikeout rate um but yeah if he's you, not striking guys out and he's not able to strand guys on base like his left on base percentage has dropped quite a bit if you and want, it's like well yeah if you can't get yourself out of situations what are you going to do well, so if, I, if you wanted to point to reasons why he's not broken, you would look at the fact that his exit velocity is still within the top 10. Uh, exit percent. velocity is garbage. People like to point to that number, and there's no correlation to anything. No, there is. There's a lot of correlation. There's like not. Being able, to, being able to keep guys from hitting the ball hard off of you is very important to being a good pitcher. No, because why? No, because there's it's no correlation on offense with guys with exit velocity. Everybody points to Yelich's exit velocity as meaning something. It doesn't. I'm sorry. It doesn't. And that's we always laugh about the idiots at Bleacher Nation. They're they're angry with every time a Cubs hitter has like some, you know, high exit velocity and they hit into an out. It's like because it doesn't correlate with anything. I'm sorry. It doesn't. It does. Judge is going to going to uh, come after you for this, but whatever. Hold on. That's fine. Uh, fine. The way most people want to cite it, you know what? If Judge finds a way to incorporate it, I'll, I'll trust him on it. But the way most people just look at exit velocity and say that should have been a hit because he hit it hard. It's like it's just it's not how it shakes out. So the prime reason that Brent Suter has been a good big league pitcher, despite having very mediocre stuff, uh, seems to be that his command has been good. And so he he is able to keep guys from making hard contact off of him because this has been his consistent thing. If you look at his exit velocities in his career, he's been in the top 10% for all big league pitchers every year, 2017, 2018. The only year he wasn't was 2019, and he would have been very close because um, his, his number was actually quite low that year. So he would have been very close to it. Every other year, he's been in that low. And and his hard hit percentage, like guys do not make hard contact off of him consistently. That has been why he has been successful. And that part has not really changed this year. So ultimately, like him being able to avoid guys hitting him hard is why he's been successful. And he, that is still there. 
the the K part of it would be the part that I would worry about. Though even I'm looking at Savant right now, his expected ERA in 2021 was 3.73, and his actual ERA was what? So I'm not on. They don't have that on this page. What is what was his actual ERA last year? Oh, 307. Sorry, I'm looking right at it. 307. He had a 307 ERA and a 373 expected ERA. This year, he has a 540 ERA and a 407 expected ERA. His expected ERA is like less than uh, a half of run higher than what it was last year. So I like I don't know what all the inputs are for DRA. Judge is much smarter than any of us at that, and so I'm sure they're they're seeing something with it. And maybe some of this is the fact that his launch angle is a lot worse this year than it was. Because last year and the year before, it was 6.5 and 7.6. This year, it's 13.5. So maybe that's more concerning, though. His career is 17, or 11.7, so it's not like it's completely out of whack. But it is a little bit higher. So I don't know. I, I definitely don't think that he's washed. Just watching him pitch this year, he's gotten blooped to death. Like, he's not getting lit up very often. Like, guys are not uh, smacking the ball around the yard on him. He's mostly just getting blooped to death. Well, no, he, he lets guys get on base, and then he does get smacked around. He, it's not like he's not giving up hard contact. You're making it sound like everything's a dying quail out there, and it's not. He's giving up, up hard contact as well. Sure, everybody's going to give up some hard contact, but, like, the overall numbers indicate he's not giving up that much hard contact. His hard hit percentage, the number of hard hit percentage balls, he's at 25.8%. That's the top 3% of the league. I have nothing to say because literally every player you will defend to the death that they are going to bounce back and nothing's wrong. I mean, it's all his hard luck. hit percentage so is top 3% of the league, Steve. It's I don't know what to say. I'm looking at it right now. His hard hit percentage is top well, 3% of the league. So he's not giving up that much hard contact. If he's not striking guys out, though, he's leaving a lot to chance with a really crappy Brewers defense, I think, is maybe the issue here. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the defense hasn't been as good as we had hoped, and that's causing some problems on a lot of levels. So I, I, that's also fine. That's valid. But, like, I don't think that Brett Suter is just irreparably broken here. I don't. All right. Well, this uh, spirited discussion, let's put it that way, is a, is a good segue to our next Patreon question. It comes from Chris Huber. Chris is asking, is it time to revisit last year's discussion on Council's bullpen management in Todd games going into the ninth? Wouldn't Wednesday's game be a perfect case study for why you would want to save your high K-rate relievers for the 10th inning? Uh, I think this segues nicely because I constantly complained last year about Craig Council's use of Brent Suter in the 10th inning with a man on base and and. Uh, that kind of thing. And uh, we kind of saw a similar situation, I guess you could say, this past week in the Cubs game in that extra inning game where they were able to just win it with a sacrifice fly uh, because of a lack of, I guess, strikeout stuff on the mound. But I guess it's worth noting on Sunday, Craig Council did use Josh Hader in a tie game in the ninth inning. So there you go, Ryan. There, there's that. But I guess, it, is it worth kind of revisiting his his bullpen strategy at this point? I mean, they've played what th three or four extra inning games. Yeah, it's, it's not many. something like, like it's not many at all. It's, yeah, it's three, not maybe. many. I mean, so do you want to get into it and criticize like the way the bullpen was managed in the extra innings? I mean, fine, but we're talking about a really, really small number of games. Um, you know, and obviously there are other factors that play into who's available. 
um, right. to bring out the extra innings. So, I, I mean, I think when this format started, was that two years ago now? Uh, yeah. It was in 2020. COVID year. Yeah. Yeah. Year. I mean, I think we, we talked initially about how, yeah, you're going to want somebody who can strike guys out once you get into extra innings just to basically prevent that run from coming in. Um, but yeah, like I said, uh, you know, it's not something I would dwell on for very long. Cause like I said, it's a small number of games, you know, they've won in extra innings as well. So I don't know. It's yes. Throw guys who, but you want, you want all your pitchers to be able to strike guys out anyway. So yeah. I guess always use your strikeout pitchers. Well, and you need to get there. That's ultimately my problem with this whole thing is you still have to get there. And for years and years and years, we heard the 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 smarties the the smart people criticizing uh managers for refusing to use their closers in tie games on the road in the ninth inning to get to extras and having them like fall behind because of that and 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 end up losing games that they shouldn't just because they were trying to wait for a save situation to bring their guy in and there is actually a justification for that, which is trying to find ways to limit your usage of your best relievers so that you don't break them so that there's actually a justification for it. But ultimately, Craig Council does a great job of of getting guys into position. The Brewers had a chance to win that game by virtue of the fact that they pitched Devin Williams in the eighth and Josh Hader in the ninth. The Brewers set themselves up to be able to potentially win that game in regular innings today. Um and it didn't work out that way. They didn't end up winning the, the game with, you know, before they got to extras and then end up losing it in extras. But I'm going to stick with the idea that you don't take for granted that you can get to a uh, that you, you can just get to extra innings. I, I will say that I was tempted by it because I looked at it when Hader came in. He was facing the seven, eight, nine hitters in a tie game in the ninth inning. And it was like, well, this is kind of burning him because if they don't score in the bottom of the inning, then like. Right. Would you want Trevor Gott pitching against seven, eight, nine or against one, two, three? You well, know? pitching at seven, eight, and nine without the runner on as opposed yeah. to pitching to one, two, exactly. and three with the runner on. But you still have to get there. You still do have to get to that point. It's never going to be a dumb thing to use Hater in that situation when you're in a tie game where you are potentially going to you know, win it with a walk-off in the bottom of the ninth, it's never dumb to use him in that situation. So you you take your shot, you hope to win it in, in regulation, and if you don't, then you kind of have to scramble. And we've seen you know, the Brewers did win an extra inning game this year by going back and scoring, was it they scored in the 10th, the 11th, before finally winning in the 12th? Like they they scored, or maybe it was they scored in the ninth, the tenth, and then one in the eleventh. Maybe that was it. But well, yeah, these new rules turn into those like everybody scratches one across. That's how it keeps going. Yes, and so you're gonna have to just ultimately the the thing here is to get rid of that zombie runner rule to get rid of the Manfred man. Like that guy needs to not be out there anymore. But I get why teams want it. I get why players prefer it. I get that. Yeah, getting the game say, over. I understand don't, why. It, don't hope too much about getting rid of that because I feel like it's there to stay. Yeah, I when I would much rather just accept ties after ten and be like, it's fine. We, we can just have a tie. It's we play 162 of these. Not every single one needs to end in a a win or a loss. The ties are okay. They're not un-American. 
get over it. Bring in your commie European sports <laughs> lingo here. We don't do ties in America, except oh. in the NFL three times a year. <laughs> and in the NHL, like we still don't they that's still Canadian. those that's are Canadians. Different. Yeah, that's different. Uh, fine. Whatever. All right. Let's move on, shall we? All right. Um, this is a good question for Brian Polakowski, especially considering all the the filling at the major league level the Brewers have had to do over the last you know two weeks or so. Brian's asking, does Nashville call up guys short term from Biloxi when four or five guys are up in the bigs covering the IL stints, or do they make do with what they've got left? Ryan, I guess this is something I've never really thought too much about or haven't really paid attention to the minor league transaction logs. How does this typically work? Yeah, they that's exactly what happens. They they shuffle guys around. Guys will come off the IL, people will be uh will be will be moved around, you know, brought up from from lower levels. I'm looking at the uh the Nashville Sounds roster right now, and since the Brewers turned into a revolving door of pitching, uh and all of a sudden the pitcher list, remember how the Brewers were like a month in and they'd only used like 15 pitchers? It was basically just the guys that they started the season with. Um and now that that's a very that list has grown considerably since then, the same thing has happened in Nashville. I'm looking at uh, Nashville now has uh, they've got like ten guys under 15 innings pitched, and a lot of them are brand new names that I'm I'm just seeing kind of for the first time on here. So they've been bringing guys up too. So that's exactly what happens. They shuffle within the minor leagues, and uh, they're they're constantly moving guys around to make all that work and that wouldn't necessarily be like the guys on your top prospect list right is it mostly no. just like the old guys being moved around yeah it's older guys it's it's uh it's guys who have been around for a while i'm just looking at the ages here and it's a lot of guys who are who are older um there have been some guys who are who were at one point top draft picks uh nick Cayley is uh nick bennett some guys that i know of from you know when they were drafted um showing up on lists that way but yeah for the most part these are not these are not big time big name people that are moving around but yes they have to they have to fill this with somebody it's all part of the the shuffle that goes on see i didn't know this because i just play with ghost players on when i play ootp so uh, (laughs) i never have a full minor league system going but Uh, uh, this this is good to know yeah i i Spend more time when I do OOTP. I haven't done it uh, like since last summer, but uh, I probably will when I dig in this summer at some point. But uh, yeah, I spend more time on the minor leagues than I should. It's kind of a waste of time, but I do it because that's the way to be successful. There you go. I I just got the new version today, and I'm going to start a brand new historical league starting from the beginning of time, basically, back in 1870-something, and see how uh, the record boards shake out. That'll be fun. All right. Uh, I'm a nerd. I know that. Anyway, uh, one, <laughs> last Patreon question from Mark Podscarby. Uh, another kind of like minor league minutia, or how does this work question that I think a, a lot of people maybe may not be aware of. So, obviously, in the last week, we saw Alex Hall get called up so mark's question is alex hall got called up for one day because apparently he was the only catcher who could make it to the game in time on thursday (laughs) they called him up from what was it high a well yeah they brought him down from appleton because they happened to be in around so they they brought him in and had him be on the roster yeah 
Yeah. So Mark's question here is, am I correct that he qualifies for lifetime health insurance just for being active for one game? If so, what a cool life-changing moment for the kids. So I think we, we I say we, and I mean Steve and Ryan did some uh, research before I hopped on here. And, and what did we find, guys? Yeah, it's the, the health care. You just need one day on the active roster and you qualify for that for a lifetime. Uh, pensions are 43 days on the active roster. So he's not getting in the other benefits. But yeah, it is a pretty nice one to get lifetime uh, health care just because you were you happen to be close enough to the big league team. And like the, it was all proximity, basically. Yeah. And the pension thing, when you say like to fully vest, it's a further than that. Like you have to be on for a longer amount of time to get yeah, like, the there full are different, share. Uh, yeah. After that, there are probably different levels. But yeah, 43 days is when you start actually getting some of those other benefits so really you just need to kind of be around for a little bit to start getting some pension payment which is nice i know that was like the original uh big issue when the first strike happened in 19 was it 72 jay jaffe wrote about this this winter uh and went back and looked at that it was players were striking because they were trying to get pension benefits not even so much for them for the current players but for the players going back they were trying to get pensions for them because so many of them were in such rough shape so yeah that was that was the original issue that caused a work stoppage in baseball was pensions very interesting stuff i think it's worth noting though that alex hall is an aussie uh native of perth australia so I, I'm trying to do some quick Googling to see if Australia has uh, free health care to begin with. Well, do you know uh, who signed me, him? They mentioned this uh, on the uh, on the thing, but who is his signing agent? Or not his signing Dave agent. Dave Nielsen? It was Dave Nielsen signed yes. him out of Australia. Yeah. Because I know you he know has... You know I love uh, me some Aussie catchers. That's great. That's great. Yeah, Nielsen has some connections in the Australian Winter League. Well, I guess they're, it's their summer, but... The, <laughs> <laughs> And but yes. well, they would they would have yeah. they would have a winter. So <laughs> it's the it's the Australian summer league, but it's the yes our winter. But that, that makes sense. Okay, I I believe uh, Dave Nielsen at least for a time was involved with the Australian club in Perth, mm-hmm. I think. And um, but uh, yeah. So and that's where Alex Hall is from. So that would that would make some sense. So nice little connection to Brewers history there as well. And, uh, well, good to know that Alex Hall now has uh, access to health care in, in two countries if he wants it. So there's well, great. That makes him <laughs> at least the fourth Brewer from Australia, right? Because we have, obviously, Dave Nelson we were just talking about. And his contemporary mm-hmm. from the 90s was Graham Lloyd, obviously. And yep. then who is the other guy that I'm thinking of? He was a Ned Yost. Trent Durrington? Yeah, was Trent, Trent Durrington an Aussie? Yeah, yeah, Trent Durrington was. Yeah, there may be others, but those are the four that come right to mind who have played just, for the Brewers. Just building that Brewers pipeline to Australia. So uh, yep. definitely cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see if Alex Hall ever sniffs the majors again. But if not, it's at least a cool story that, hey, I got called up to the big leagues and and – because I was just the closest one there. I think that's a great story to tell the grandkids one day. And I, I did love that his story was, or his quote was basically, yeah, the spread's a lot better here. Than it is <laughs> so uh, at least he got to eat well for a day too while he's at it. So there's that. 
All right. Uh, thanks for all the Patreon questions this week, everybody. As a reminder, when you sign up to become a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate, you also get a shout out here when you uh, kind of join the family. And it looks like we've got a, a new patron to shout out this week. Ryan, who do we have? Chris Huber. Welcome to the fold. And uh, we, we welcome and- you. And didn't Chris yeah, ask a question this week already? Chris did ask the question about the bullpen management. So mm-hmm. uh, signed up and, and took advantage of that perk right away. So thank you, Chris, for, for doing that as well. A reminder, patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you that question priority. And the $5 level gets you all that extra content as well with Ryan and James Anderson's minor league extra coming out this week. Uh, talking again. Most likely about Jackson Churio, but also anyone else you want to talk about. And and you can kind of dictate that as well over at our Patreon page. Even if you're not a patron, we would appreciate it if you leave us a review and a rating for this podcast. A reminder, when Paul is here, he will literally read anything you write in the review if you give us five stars, uh, including apparently the B-movie script. Ryan, what do we got? Well, and also stay tuned because Paul might have something for you. Uh, in the coming days here, he had some opinions about uh, a subject we discussed a little bit last week that he wanted to uh, throw out there. So he was going to oh, potentially right. record a mini pod right. at some point. So be on the lookout. This might not be the last uh, bit of content you get the next few days here from this podcast. Absolutely. Definitely you know, the crazy thing is after that whole B-movie stuff, uh, randomly, like my kid opened up HBO Max and it was like the lead <laughs> like was it uh, random though steve was it was random? it yeah was it, well it, it who knows they're probably following everything but yeah i'm like why is b movie like the one movie that they're plugging on on the main screen here it was a random thing. animated like, movie from 20 years ago it's exactly yeah. yeah so there you go paul's just uh working the seo for b movie and and moving that up the charts yeah it's gonna be yeah. a renaissance yeah, more Jerry Seinfeld, more Jerry Seinfeld animated movies are, are in the pipeline. Yes, oh. absolutely. That's what absolutely. the world needs. More Jerry Seinfeld you know, content on Netflix because there wasn't exactly. enough already. Well, at least exactly. his is bland. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. All right. Uh, so, yeah, leave us a review, even if it's a Jerry Seinfeld comment. And Paul can maybe do his crappy Jerry Seinfeld impression while he, while he's at it. Uh, but while you're there on that podcast page, please do hit that subscribe button or the follow button. I guess it's now called on Apple Podcasts uh, or, or Spotify, Pocket Cast, wherever else you get us. Uh, hit that button to make sure you don't miss an episode. And as always, thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully the next week goes well for the Brewers after a much-needed day off. We will be back here next week to recap it all here on Milwaukee's Daily. Yeah.